I'm Ted Baker in the studios of WEOS and WHWS at the Scandling Center here at the colleges, and this is the Hobart Football Podcast, Episode 29, a huge game coming up Saturday, new game time, 12 noon for Union at Frank Bailey Field in Schenectady, joined by the head coach of the Statesman, Kevin DeWall. Welcome back. Good morning. You couldn't have drawn up the plan any better for the game last week. You get up 49 nothing at the half, get a lot of the twos and threes in in the second half, and just uh, have a little fun. Yeah, it was. It was a uh, a game where we, uh, you know, we played a young team, and and you saw the difference in just the experience in youth. So, uh, we we jumped on them early, and um, you know, was still able to. We had some injuries, so we had some guys that weren't playing last week that were gave opportunities for new guys to step in, and and, and especially special team roles that did some good things. And then uh, you know, we were able to get our, our younger guys in twos and threes uh, for the most of the, the second third fourth quarters and uh at that point you know still able to teach and, and learn through the video for those guys and you've been thinking long term over the last couple of weeks we've talked about you've had some opponents that you could have thrown the ball three times run at 65 and won the game but you wanted to get your passing game going and and you did it again I think Johnny Columbia's really progressing as a quarterback and, and just making great throws yeah it's uh it's important you try to get you know the reps during the week but game reps I think is the the number one factor for learning in the flow of the season so uh, it's not just for him it's pass protection it's the running backs tight ends wide receivers knowing routes and depths and so I think we tried to be as balanced as we could in the first half there and, and knowing that um, you know we could have you know run it but at the same time like uh, Hilbert did a great job really trying to pack the box and they uh, they were big and thick up front and, and and tried to push back our offensive line. So you know even the first couple of plays knocking us back a little bit. Uh, then we had to regroup and adjust and and I gave our guys um, you know I, I think especially on defense I don't think they were challenged as much on off, on offense. They had some good players on their defense that we still had to go out and execute. And again I think it was a, a good combination of getting some success but also getting some young guys some great experience. It's always fun to watch young players develop. I think Ahmad Crowell has really developed as a wide receiver. He just has a more confident look on the field. He's making great catches. He's got better speed, I think, than we thought at the beginning of the year, and he's become a go-to weapon. Yeah, Ahmad, uh, I'm pleased with his progress. Still has a long way to go, as we all do uh, as people. But last year he was super talented, but didn't um, didn't control the little things. And a lot of factors affected him from, I mean, really, he was unfortunately not much of a, uh, an impact for us last year and then this year you saw even earlier in the season um, was trying to rely just on athletic ability but to his credit he really has turned it on in terms of how he's practicing the speed that he's been able to practice with and just understanding all the preparation that goes into allowing then your physical abilities to kind of show out a little bit so pleased with his progress and really he's just scratching the surface from the, the type of player he can be um, but his emergence has helped in our passing game just to kind of balance out and give us a, a bigger target on the backside of, uh, of many of our formations and, again, complemented maybe some of the return experience that we had just to make our passing game a little bit more uh, versatile and, de- and, and the depth in particular has been important. In the run game, you got to spread it out a lot with a big lead. What's really impressed me about the running backs this year, number one is the ability to make a cut back from the original hole if it's not there, and then finishing runs, we see, I mean, E.J. Taylor is especially good at that. He's a big, strong guy. That extra lunge and that extra dive for a yard or two at the end of a run. Yeah, they've, uh, you know, it's been our focus since day one. We talk about anyone that handles the ball, you know, our rule of thumb and just the mindset we have, we've got to finish forward. So whether that's a quarterback, a tight end, a receiver, a running back, whoever it is, finishing forward. And I think we have a talented group of running backs that over the course of the season have really showed the ability to both play fast and physical at times. 
Um, and you mentioned EJ, like he brings, um, you know, a 210 pound back with explosiveness and his ability to finish forward has been helpful. Um, and we've, we've seen that from obviously Tim and Ray and some of the guys who've gotten a lot of the carries, but I think our younger guys who got carries in that game also showed signs of not just that they're here now, but more importantly, the, the competition we're going to have at that position moving forward when we graduate some of the seniors for future years, the development of that position group should be still deep and competitive. You talked about young guys stepping up on the defensive side of the ball. Alex Dalton came in without a tackle, ended up leading the team with five, and he was just all over the field with the rest of those linebackers. Yeah, Alex is, uh, you know, you know, even if you look at last spring through the preseason, you know, his emergence in terms of just physical development, but more in an emotional maturity. And um, unfortunately, he had a loss in his family and, and was out for a game. And I think coming back, um, he really used that emotion to his his favor, you know, and, and played fast and aggressive on the field and, and not only just on defense, but on special teams. So hopefully that'll be something that he can carry forward and take on a, even a larger role for defense and for special teams. I made a note to myself to bring this up this week because each week on Twitter you honor the scout team. So tell us about these backup guys. They not only have to know their plays, they learn the other team's plays so they can impersonate them in practice and get you properly prepared. Yeah, it's a it's a really tough dynamic because we're always talking about uh, our own personal development individually and how that collectively helps the team move forward. And uh, so we go through all preseason, and all you're doing is Hobart versus Hobart. You know, it's on uh, defense and, and uh, offense, special teams are across the board. But once you start, uh, we get into the in-season game mode, you know, we have to take some of our threes and fours sometimes in the depth chart, and those guys, while still knowing the offense and the defense for Hobart, have to then be able to look at some, you know, drawn up cards by the, the, the offense defensive staffs to kind of go mimic the looks that we're going to see. So formations on offense and defensively, what fronts and blitzes and coverages we're going to see. And, and that's tough. That's a challenge. And, and one, it's tough because you're, you're doing maybe skill sets that not the way we've taught them. But secondly, I think more from an emotional standpoint is you're doing something. Everyone wants to be a starter. Everyone wants to be an impact guy. But sometimes the best role is going to be going out and serving. You know, we've played some really good offenses in the past. You know, can our quarterbacks and running backs and receivers go emulate the offense that our defense is going to face and how well we can mimic what they're going to run based off of the video breakdown and hunches of what we're seeing and vice versa. You know, I think how well can the scout defense give our offense the look of the speed, the technique, the coverages that we're going to see. So not always the most glamorous role, but it's so important in the overall team success. And, and we just want to acknowledge like how important it is. And, and we, we pick one on each side of the ball and then one for special teams. But there's hopefully if we're doing it right. Um, and I look at it, you know, I think of, uh, of, of guys who right now are starting on offense, defense. Well, they, put, they cut their teeth by being on the scout team and showing – how fast they can move, and if you're going against better competition. So I look at it, if you're a number three linebacker, for example, and you can show the speed and quickness to show out against our starters, well, that's also then an indicator. And we do a lot with all eyes on where defensive staff are watching the scout defense and offensive staff are watching the scout offense so we can kind of identify who's still working, who's still improving. And it's a conversation we have with our guys on Sunday is that, you know, those roles never stop. We're competing and evaluating everything that we do uh, and we just want to acknowledge as important it is, you know, who had the big stats and the big plays to win the game. That's important. But who's doing the work on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday from a preparation standpoint, because it is that process driven approach that we talked about trust in the process. And um, there's an ample uh, amount of opportunities for younger guys to get better without necessarily being a starter yet. And then always being ready for when your moment's called. And it's another way, like special teams, 
to make everybody feel a part of it. Because in football, you got the biggest roster. You, you can't, even if you have every game of blow, you can't get everybody on the field. So there's guys, there's names on this roster we haven't called yet this year, but it lets everybody be a part of the success of the overall whole. Absolutely. And, and I firmly believe in that. And uh, we talk about we have 97 guys on our roster right now, and every one of those guys is an, has an important role. And the role might not be exactly what they want it to be in this moment, but it's also looking at how you develop to get to that ultimate role. And uh, I'll, I'll give great examples of guys, and I've brought it up a couple of times, but you know, Jordan Walker is, has been a staple on special teams. Um, hasn't started at corner. Uh, he's made some moments this year, and, and he's come a long way since his freshman year. Kashawn Young, you know, started his first year this year as an inside linebacker, was a number three or number four, struggling his first year, trying to find his way, found his way on special teams and emerged that way. So those are just two of many guys who, um, before they become a starter, sometimes you have to go through the rights of learning the schemes, improving your techniques, getting stronger, working on your physical development, the, the, like I said, the mental approach. We talked about Ahmad earlier. Ahmad is super talented. But last year you didn't see him out there because there's a lot to earn a, a role. And it's, it's, it's an, we talked about all the different ways to improve. Uh, we believe in it, and uh, we try to coach up number four the same way we coach number one, although different in terms of game reps. But we're always trying to improve, and uh, as soon as – a, uh, a young man stops wanting to improve, I'm going to have a quick conversation with him on what is his big picture goal, not only for himself, but for our team. Because that's that's been a part of our success for many, many years. And even before I was a part of Hobart football is trusting that process, the, the tradition that goes into building every single day, improving. It's one of the staples of our success. And, and, and we believe that's what's going to give us a chance to finish this season strong and, and be even stronger for future years. Jordan Walker is one of those guys. We're always talking his name. We've talked about the great kickoff coverage. The other two, as I call them, the, uh, the two Nicholases, Caleb Nicholas and then uh, Nicholas Gaffney. Both, yep. uh, you know, they, they don't get a lot of time on the field in the regular offense yet, but they're always down there. Every time there's a kickoff coverage, those guys were always mentioning their name as being right in the middle of it. So there's two first years that honestly have a significant opportunity to be great players for us. You know, they have athletic ability. They're just learning the systems um, and maybe haven't had a huge role at running back and receiver yet, but their speed and quickness going down. And, and uh, I think for upcoming games, you know, as we try to add as much speed and athletic ability and explosiveness on the field at times, that's where those younger guys, like I said, can really hopefully gain some confidence and experience making those plays there so that when their number's called on offense or defense, they're, they're ready to go. We know what Johnny Columbia can do. We've got our longest look yet at True Styles. Uh, it, it's interesting to watch it. When he runs the ball, he doesn't look that fast, but he has about a five-yard stride, so he makes pretty good yards. What did you think of him in, in your longest look at him so far? Yeah, he is a long strider. He's he's faster than you think. He's quicker because of those the long gait that he has, but uh, I thought he did a good job. I think there was a couple uh, situations either just from uh, footwork matching the timing of the throws that he was off a little bit. Uh, I know the one that he really wants back is the fumble going in in the scoring zone and just uh, taking care of the football. Um, but those are the things, as much as you don't want those to happen, maybe that helps him not make that play in the future. You know, So I thought the more and more that we can get him some experience, he's got a tremendous upside, You know, big, strong arm. He can make the throws. I love his, his presence and his poise is getting better and better as he gets more and more confident and comfortable in what we're trying to do offensively. And uh, again, I think the more that he can improve, the more he's going to have competition with Johnny. And I said this to the whole quarterback group, you know, two's got to be battling for number one because he's one play away from being the number one. And right now we're having a really good battle. I, I can't even tell you who our number three is because week to week, it play to play, 
series to series, it's, it's changing, which is good. Um, we just want to encourage, like I said, number three, number four, to continue to compete at every position. And I think that's a position that we still have uh, significant opportunities to improve and grow on. We got a look at Jack Smalley as number three this past week. Tell us a little bit about him. Jack's got a big, strong arm. Um, you know, he um, not as mobile as maybe uh, the other two, but uh, has come a, a significant way. Last year, he was all strong arm, but really understanding the offense was where he struggled. Um, he's done a much better job understanding the protections. And uh, I think that was um, one of the things, but unfortunately, by the time you get that point in the game, we weren't throwing significantly because I don't want to feel like we're running up on another team. And the other part is just with younger O-line and guys up front, we didn't want to take any negative plays. So, you know, he didn't get a chance to throw it, but he's got a strong arm as well. And, and like I said, between him, Mark Bentley, and Callum Letters, the, you know, three, four, five, all three of those guys, um, young, you know, we got, um, you know, first-year player, first-year player, and a second-year player at the quarterback position. So hopefully those guys will continue to get their nose in the playbook and, and get those reps and be able to learn from those experiences. Let's talk a little bit about scheduling out of conference. Some people look at this year's schedule and say, boy, you know, I'm not playing anybody very tough, but it's a difficult puzzle to schedule out of conference, and especially now that the Empire 8's going to add a team, that's one more week where they won't be playing out of league. So just talk a little bit about that whole dance of trying to schedule out of league. How much time do you have, Ted? Because this, <laughs> this is a deeper dive than most people yeah. think. So the sport of football, typically you're scheduling three to four years out. And... Uh, we had an agreement with the Empire 8, the local conference here in New York, that uh, you know we would typically be playing games. Well, that kind of that agreement kind of went through, and, and now the Empire 8 scheduled with the Landmark Conference, a team out of the, the teams out of Pennsylvania. So, over the years, we've had uh, since I've taken over as head coach, I think we've had four teams drop and break contracts from us. You know, and it's not like the Division One level where you can go sue them for millions of dollars for breaking a contract. You're scrambling late to get teams. So. Um, we added Keystone in week four a couple of years ago. And Keystone's a young team, and I knew at the time, but I trusted their coach, Justin Higgins, doing a great job, that, that A, that they were, the one, they were one of the few teams that was open and would be willing to play us in week four. And uh, we've entertained, and, and we're pretty soon we're going we're gonna to be playing games in Wisconsin, Texas, all over the place, because in the Northeast there's not many conferences that need games in weeks three and four. So when the Empire 8 broke our conference, you know, we had scheduled agreements with uh, St. John Fisher, and they backed out on us now. Um, Morris will state this is the last year they're playing us because their Empire 8 has to go play the Empire 8 teams. Uh, excuse me, they're playing the Landmark teams. So we're in a world of hurt our conference, and we're still trying to figure out the plan, but there's not conferences around us that need games in weeks three and four. Um, so what we did this year, um, Hilbert was a, is a one-year deal. It was ourselves, Union, Buff State, some Liberty League teams that kind of we adjusted our schedule to make sure, because I want to make sure that we're only permitted 10 games, and I want to make sure we give every single guy on our team the opportunity to play 10 games. So instead of playing eight or nine games like what some other teams do, we're going to play whoever we can within the framework of distance, travel, budgets, locations, and all that. But I do think, like I was entertaining, we've talked to Texas, Wisconsin, Midwest teams. Uh, we're exploring every option in the Northeast. It's just a lot of those Northeast teams either don't want to play us or don't have the scheduling opportunities to play us in weeks three and four. So it is going to get tricky moving forward. Uh, a lot of those uh, scheduling agreements were two-year deals that are now opening up again in 25. Uh, I can tell you for future years, we, we strength of schedule is important to us. Uh, and, um, you know, teams like Alfred and Morrisville State who have had really good seasons, those are still really good teams, the Empire 8's around us. 
Um, I know record-wise, Hilbert and now Keystone, you can see, is vastly improving. They're getting stronger. When we scheduled them, that wasn't a, us looking for a weaker opponent. It was looking for who can actually play us in those dates that we have. And, um, and I think in, in, I can tell you right now it's on my agenda to figure out some scheduling already for future years because some things have just changed within the past week or two. Well, the other part of the puzzle is the Liberty League itself. Is there a chance of getting another team which would – give you an even number of teams, because now with the odd number of teams, somebody's off every week and would fill up one more week of the schedule. From a coaching standpoint, we would be open to it. The problem is uh, that decision's made from the president and, and AD level. Our academics and our conference, uh, and again, you know, obviously when Buff State joined, they're slightly different, um, but they came from the Empire 8. And, well, there's been two new teams that have added to the Empire 8 recently, and that, that's basically going to our scheduling opponent that's closest to us. Those Empire 8s are not going to need us as much as now we need them. And I don't think the other sports, other than football and the Liberty League, need teams coming in. You, there's a lot of teams in the Liberty League Conference that don't sponsor football. So right. the basketballs, the soccers of the worlds, and everything else, they don't really need it. So I don't think many teams want to come into our conference because right now it's a pretty top-heavy conference. So like, if you're a football-playing team, why would you want to come into the conference if you can't have membership for all the sports? And if you come in for football, you're coming into a you know one of the stronger conferences, I think, in, in, not only in the country, but especially in the Northeast. So I don't think people are just knocking on our door to come in. So it's going to be, I think, more creative scheduling from non-conference. And I, I'm, I'm taking lead on this just because I know that Across the Liberty Conference, every coach and staff and AD look at it differently and how we handle it. And I don't think there's a quick fix answer because of some teams with established, you know, rivalry games and, and whatnot. I don't think it's a wholesale agreement yet with conferences, but I think it's something we really have to entertain because it's going to force a lot of us in the Liberty Conference to go play out of region games, which I don't mind. It's just budget wise and, and matchup wise, making sure that. It's, it's convenient for everyone or we're going to be taking a hit in the pockets for traveling and trying to fly to certain places. And we're open to it. Uh, I like it. And, and it's just making sure that it's not as simple as just as people sit at home saying, well, why are you playing these teams? Right. There's a lot of teams that we want to play that either can't or won't play us. And unfortunately, we have a plan. And then when teams back on of it, you're scurrying to try to fill some games. So next year's schedule of 2024 is set. As of right now, unless someone calls me and tells me they're backing out, it's the 25-26 that we're really going to have to be creative to fill. And, and usually for football, those, these are, should have already been set and planned, but it's kind of been a little bit of a musical chairs the last couple of years with more and more of these scheduling conference agreements. And, and Liberty League, as of right now, does not have that, that conference that we have a partnership with yet. So you're on the road at Union this week. It's a 12 noon game rather than 1 o'clock. We don't need to go into it's all paperwork stuff and whatever. It's a 12 noon game. Uh, is there anything they don't do well? I'm looking at they run it, they throw it, they grind you down on defense. I mean, this is a tough team. This is what you line up and, and play for is a game like this. Yeah, statistically, they're number one in almost every category, especially defensively. You know, I think they, uh, you know, they, they were undefeated until they played Ithaca last, year, last week at Ithaca. It was a rainy day, but it was, you know, right there. It was a 10-9 game late, and um, Ithaca made one more play, and so I think similar to you know our, our conference, if you see like the top teams playing one another, they've all been one possession games. I, th I think we got to be prepared for two really good teams going at it. Um, I think the difference right now with them is their experience. So I look on defensively, they're the number one total defense, number one rush defense, number one pass defense, number one third down efficiency defense. 
uh, only given up 6.9 points per game. I mean, have three or four shutouts. I mean, they're you don't you can't fake that for a game or two for over the course of seven games to do that. They're just they're very good. I mean, you look at their front seven: senior, 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 senior across the board, um, and then only one or two younger guys on the back end. So. Uh, their defense is fast, they're strong, they're aggressive. I think that's the challenge for us right now is their front seven has been able to basically slow down or stop everyone. Um, they have athletic ability and strength at the D-line. They have great speed and experience at the linebacker. And then they play a lot of coverage where they're not going to give up the big play. Now, the last game or two, they've been able to, teams have been able to get one or two against them but you can't rely on one or two big plays to win a game. Like we're going to have to sustain drives. And, you know, I look at their scoring zone defense. Not many teams have gotten down inside the 20 on them, you know, so to, to, to think about scoring on them, we're going to have to do a really good job on our side. We got to win up front. And uh, I say win up front. They're going to, they're going to make some plays. We got to be able to win over the course of 60 minutes up front. And I think this, the physicality of how we need to run the ball and efficiency in our physical pass protection. Because if you just turn it into a pass only game, they're going to be able to pin their ears back and they got some speed and matchups up front that are not going to go you know, well for most O lines. So balance is going to be important. And then ultimately, you know, we, we, we scored 23 on them last year in a close game. Um, you know, we had the opportunity two years ago at their place that both games kind of played out the same way. I think it's two really good teams going at one another. And I think on offense, they have a senior quarterback that'll potentially be their leading rusher and their leading thrower. He's a big, big kid. They have two really good running backs. Their O line is big, strong, and experienced. You know, specialty, um, you know, speed guys on the on the perimeter. So this will be a really good matchup uh, for our defense as well. I think, honestly, whoever you know doesn't have the negative play, the turnover that could sway it one way or the other. I think it's going to come down to which defense can can get more stops than the other one. Um, I think it's going to be more of a defensive battle than an offensive battle. What do they do defensively, scheme-wise? They play a three-man front. For years, they played that stack where it was a 3-5 that was really kind of more of a 5-3 because the two linebackers would come up and play tight on the line. Is that still what they do? No, they're a base three-man front, but they do a lot where they walk up. Uh, last year, they played us in a lot of four-man front, so it was about 50-50, three-man front, four-man front. This year they have a um, like a stand-up linebacker that's kind of like a DN. So you'll see him oftentimes in a two-point stance. Sometimes he puts his hand in the ground. But essentially they'll mix it up between an odd and an even front, the three-man front and the four-man front. And some really short yardage or tight sets, they'll go to a 5-D line front. But the difference for them is you know they'll play some man in some situations, but more with safety help over the top. Very rarely are they going to put themselves vulnerable where they can beat, get beat with a big play. They want to stop the run and suffocate you and keep everything in front of them and just rally and tackle well. So like, you, you, it's tough to get big plays on them because the safeties and the corners are going to be over the top, and then you're going to have to be efficient on stuff underneath it. And then every now and then, when the time's right, if you can protect it or if you can get through to the second level, then you might have a chance for a big play. But as I've prepped the offense all week long, it's got to be taking care of the, the underneath and the little stuff, being successful in the run game because I mean, they're – Third down percentage is unbelievable. If you're getting off the field, I mean, the only 18% success rate, like that's pretty impressive that their defense is getting off the field. And you can see why they're not giving up a lot of points because teams aren't been able to drive it on them very much. So, um, I mean, the most that a team scored on them was, you know, the 17 points the last two weeks. And that was partly with turnovers and short fields and big plays. So um, I think it's going to be, we'll have our hands full. And at the same time, I look at it, our defense is going to have to play play big you know and uh, they're going to want to run the ball first so we got to stop the run 
and then they have enough skill to be able to throw on the perimeter. But uh, I do believe they're a run first team, and we're going to have to do our best to get in and slow down the run so that we can try to make them one dimensional. Their defense gives up 52 yards a game on the ground. Do you feel like your passing game is in a place where if you can't run it, that you can still win the game through the air? Yeah, that's what we obviously are going to prepare for. Um, I think the difference is, and we did it last year, we have to be committed to the run game. Until the game, if and when it ever dictates that we can't, we are going to be committed to having balance in both run and pass. So that's kind of why the last couple of games, when we could have been more skewed one way or the other, was building up for opportunities like this where I believe we got to run it when we want to run it and throw it when we want to throw it, not when you need to. And uh, there, obviously there's certain game situations where that might dictate it, but um, I, I, I believe last year most teams weren't running on them. We were able to have a little bit of success. You know, and I know the blueprint from two years ago, it took us a while. We ran later in the game than we did earlier. Um, I know they're going to have their ears pinned back, ready to go to stop the run. They, they know that about us. But I also think we've, we've been a slightly different team the last couple of weeks just with you know, how the running back group has, has progressed with, with Tim being out and then um, just the progression of the passing game. So I think a lot of focus needs to be on what we can control, not so much what they're going to be. Um, and I think you know, the, I look back at it similar to I think the game plan from how it could play out will be similar to the Ithaca game. We just got to make sure that when those opportunities are there that we're able to make. And, and obviously the special team plays were the two biggest factors. Those two plays, 10 points in that Ithaca game, changed the complete outcome of how that game could have finished. Can you tell us uh, if you'll have Tim Denham this week? Uh, I know that Tim is working uh, his way back, um, but I can't tell you for sure if he's in or out at this point. Um, because I don't know. Um, the one thing I've said to, to any of our guys that are injured, it's it's going to be they know when they're ready to come back. Um, Tim is a warrior. He's a great leader. He is obviously a talented player, but he's got to be able to do it to the point where he knows he can go play at the level he wants to play. So um, he and I will make that decision um, probably all the way to game time. Um, I think he's making progress, but he's not back. Uh, has not practiced in three weeks. Um, and, you know, we have a couple other guys in that situation too. So at this point in the season, it's battling when someone's ready to return. And I've always said that's never my decision to return. I, I just will make that decision together. Uh, but I, I ultimately trust our players when they've earned that trust that when they're ready, then we'll be able to evaluate them at that point. We have not been able to do that yet. You've had some struggles this year on the punt snaps and occasionally on the shotgun snaps and the regular offense. Has that been a, a point this week of emphasis, and do you feel like you have that under control? Yeah, the interesting part really with the snaps was it's early, it was early on in those first couple of games, and you know uh, even since the, you know, the bad play that happened at Ithaca that obviously cost us seven points, um, Anthony Romano's done a, a very good job. So his, his mental fortitude, and I'm talking about toughness, is a lot of it's mental toughness. How he responded to it was exactly what you'd want from one of your top players and leaders. So, um, you know, he's still our snapper. We, we trust him. He's our, he's our best, and he's earned that opportunity. Um, you know, we like to coach in a positive way, not saying don't worry about the worst-case scenario. Part of that was also how the punter could have handled it. There's a lot of things that go into it, but um, through the course of our reps, I think our punting snaps have gotten better. I think the, the center quarterback exchange, that's been a more recent thing, um, and I think partly it's based on the fronts. And so we were seeing part of that last week was when we subbed up, and again, we had younger guys in. Um, the, I mean, the fumble that we lost was, was two people that – you know, at that situation, you know, I don't know if they're going to be getting those reps in this game. So I think it's also skewed on, you know, some of the turnovers and some of the, you know, penalties and all that. Look at big picture development that although I don't want them to happen, just like anything, sometimes in life you got to learn through successes and failures. 
you know, you mentioned True earlier, him fumbling in that situation is going to help him remind how to take care of the ball as he's, you know, getting tackled. And the center quarterback exchange, we could have handled it better. Um, I would, as much as I would love to say, you know, we don't want to really talk about perfect, as long as we want to, you know, try to make sure those plays aren't happening. We also got to make sure that when they do happen, how we coaching them up and, and um, we're not ripping guys. We're going to talk about technique and decision making so that if that opportunity presents itself, just like in life, we can respond the right way. One last thing, when you play Union, especially at Union, they're going to chip, they're going to chirp. You, you have to really play with your head about you and with some poise. Are you going to talk about that right before game time or have you this week? Yeah, we've talked about it. I think... Uh, I like, I mean, I love when, you know, as, as a guy that's an alum that's played at Union and understands the magnitude, like some of our younger guys don't really understand maybe the, the history and tradition that goes back between these two teams. There's been coaching changes and whatnot, but as someone that's been here a long time, uh, we've had a lot of great battles with Union. And, um, you know, they dropped down and, you know, they've, got, they've been better, you know, two years ago at their place. I think there was a, a game that could have went either way. We felt we could have won it, and I'm sure they – I thought they could have won it, and then obviously they, they pulled it out in overtime. And then last year's game could have went either way, either way. So I think the fact that you got two teams that are both playing for something right now makes this game even more. You know, it, you throw out the records when the two play, anyways, but both teams are playing for something. So that's automatically going to bring a little bit more to the game. You know, they're uh, they're upset that they lost last week. You know, same thing we felt when we came back. You know, so um, Ithaca controls their destiny right now in our conference, but. You got two teams right here as, as one loss to a potential conference winner that are still playing for postseason opportunities. Not that anything is going to change. This, you know, you got to win out the rest of the games. But as I told our guys, this is going to have a playoff game feel. I mean, without putting any extra pressure on it, it's a hostile environment. And I'm sure that uh, they'll have their crowd up on the hill ready to go and chirping, and, and that's good. That's what our guys hopefully come here to play some some big games and. It all comes down to the 11 guys on the field and between our ears, can we have the, uh, the, the standard of how we want to play, play aggressive, play with smart emotion, but the mental toughness is just as important as the physical toughness in this game. And uh, hopefully our guys can, can remember that in those moments, but it's easier said than done sometimes when you know, there's cheap shots or things that happen on the bottom of a pile or you know, some things that the officials you know, don't see and then there's a the retaliation. So we just got to be smart, and I, I've, I've talked about it. We'll talk about it with our guys. We got to match and then or exceed their aggressiveness you know, um, because this is a, a physical game. Um, there's going to be a lot of bodies that are sore on Sunday because of the way we're going to play, but we got to do it in the form of making sure that we can execute at a high level. And uh, if we can do that, then we're uh, going to try to position ourselves to be able to come back victorious and then plan the next big game. If you're just a fan of football and don't care about either team, it's going to be a lot of fun. It won't be fun for somebody, but uh, it's going to be a classic. We know it will, and uh, we're looking forward to it. You can find this podcast wherever you get your podcasts, Apple or Amazon or Google Podcasts, and get all your Hobart and William Smith Athletics news at hwsathletics.com. Reminder again, 12 noon kickoff at Frank Bailey Field for Hobart and Union. Uh, Coach Kevin DeWall, thanks as always. Thanks, Ted.